Welcome to Three Blokes and the Rugby League Podcast. I do say Three Blokes. Jede Moscodad is away on a caravanning holiday this week, so it is just me and Joss McVitie. We've got a very, very special interview with one of women's rugby league's premier stars and English and British rugby league's stars as well. Amy Hardcastle, welcome to the broadcast. How are you getting on? I'm all right, thank you, and good evening. <laughs> um, we were just talking off there about obviously COVID times and whatnot and you're having to juggle a couple of jobs and whatnot. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so I've got two jobs. I care for a lady with dementia three times a week and then I work in a at Calderdale two days a week. So yeah, it's pretty hectic, but I managed to do it. What do you do at Calderdale then? So I'm a healthcare assistant, but in A&E we, get bit, we have a lot more to do rather than just a lot of personal cares. We get to do bloods, cannulas, ECGs, you know, we may be in resource where the critical care is where they're needing us um, hands-on. So I get to do a lot of things. The only thing I probably don't do is medications like the nurses. But yeah, I have, um, have a good experience in there. I'm enjoying it. It's very tough as well in a and E. I I guess you're kind of almost used to that intensity from, from playing rugby league as well. Yeah, it's weird because you can take a lot from rugby league into my working environment because you work in a big team and you know, you have a lot of different personalities like you do with rugby. And I don't know, I find it quite easy to work in that team environment because coming from a rugby background. Let's start Let's start with that then, Amy. Where, where did it all start for you in your childhood and your teenage? Did you always watch it on telly as a youngster or was it just a bit later on that you got into it? Well, I've got to be a bit honest, actually. Um, I never watched rugby. I, um, I played a bit of football at Calderdale College and then I'd noticed there was a bit of a flyer on the wall and it was um, setting a team up at Siddle Rugby Club in Halifax and it was the first women's team and I thought, I don't know anyone, don't really want to go, I don't like new environments, I'm a bit, I can't swear on here, but I'm a bit of a deep pants, but um, yeah, so I thought I'd go give it a go and that was, I was 18 when I started rugby, but I never followed it, but I just, they said I was quite, I was too rough for football, so I thought I need to get stuck into rugby league. <laughs> and that's where I went. I went from Siddell, yeah. I think a lot of the rugby league youngsters get that. They're a bit too rough for other sports and they just end up in rugby league. There we um, go, we'll push you over there. <laughs> <laughs> but where, where did it start for you then? Obviously, you started at Siddell. What do you remember about your first couple of training sessions and when you ended up playing? Yeah, I, I did feel like this was probably my kind of sport because you know, being fast and strong, I could use that on a field. And at first, when I started at Siddle, I was playing fullback. And I, we did really well. I think within about six months, I got, they picked me up at England and I got asked to come into a national programme from playing um, in the, well, obviously Super League then, but in the Championship League. And it went from there at Siddle. And I was there for a good few years before I moved on. How was that such a you know big responsibility at such a young age as well to get picked up for something like that? It, it, it's, it, didn't, it felt surreal really because I always knew I had an ability but I didn't think I, that someone would believe in my ability and to want me to progress at an international level. I, I don't think it at home for a long time but you know when I was around all them athletes that have been in the programme a while and they're giving me all this confidence saying that I'm this, I'm strong, I'm powerful. You know, it just made me believe more in myself. I think when you end up at Siddle, do you have that kind of premonition, that vision of you wanting to aim for England or did you just turn up for a good game of rugby and, and you've ended up into that? Yeah, 
well, the thing is, I didn't really know much about the women's program because there wasn't much rugby league around when I was growing up. It was union, but there wasn't anything around. That's why I played football. And then obviously with the team starting, Siddle was the only women's team in, in a, a, I think the next one might have been like Bradford and further afield. There was hardly anything around. So I didn't even know about the England setup and, you know, that you could get picked up at a Siddle, at Siddle level because we'd only just been a team starting out in the Merit League and then we won that league and then went into the championship. So then when you start playing against the, the good players, you're like, oh, they play at England. And then you start realising, oh, there is a programme. Oh, you can potentially aim to get up to there. What was the profile like then compared to now then in terms of women's rugby league? You just... It's, you were just... And not saying normal person, but you were just like, you were just going to play a bit of sport. Like, no one... Like now on social media, like the fan base that you can get from rugby league from back then is unbelievable. Like you are seen as an athlete, and I do find nowadays nowadays that people see me as a, a rugby league star, and you know I'm this athlete, I'm someone that people look up to, and you know people say I want to be like you, I want you know I want to like do what you've done. It was, I mean, it's pretty amazing. As I mentioned to you off there just before, when we actually announced you on our social media, you got by far one of the most most impressions on, on, on Twitter and on our Instagram. And you, you almost couldn't believe it in yourself when we actually told you. I, mean, I guess it's, like you say, you're just a normal girl from, from Yorkshire. I mean, how, how, does, how do you deal with this kind of, I'll say it, I'll say superstardom now. You know, I still feel myself, but I really appreciate what everybody has done for me, not only my coaches, the players around me, my family. And I am where I am today because of everybody else. I haven't done this on my own. It's because of everybody that has got me there and the support and encouragement that people do, and especially on social media when, you know, someone says you had a cracking game or if I put, you know, put an England shirt on, the feedback that I get, like, I really appreciate that. And I take time out to message people to say thank you because they're the people that make me want to do better and do more and make more people proud. Like when I played at Bradford, I Bradford, the, the support and the fans there, like they have a place in my heart because they're one of the reasons why I am today, like where I am today from the support and encouragement and what they've done to help me grow as a rugby league player. Excellent answer. I love that. Where, where did you end up after Siddle then? Did you play at Siddle for much longer than that? Um, so I was at Siddle a couple of years and then I fell pregnant with my daughter Olivia. So I had a year out and then I came back after that and the team sort of ended up folding because people got pregnant and we just, we just weren't the same team anymore. So then I went to Clayton at Bradford. Do you know where that is? No, I don't actually. I know, there's a Clayton near me, but not, it's not the same one. Oh, not... It was like a little cricket field, you know. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the best of clubhouses and everyone <laughs> will know that we had probably two showers that worked and, you know, you change your rooms are full of muck, but it, it was great, you know, we're still a team and it, that's how, where we was at the time before we went on to Bradford. In them days then, were there any players that stood out who were with you alongside you that have kind of made it into your level now or any coaches that helped you along the way? What, sorry, that people hadn't made it? That have made it alongside oh. you? Yeah, so I played with Kirsty Marona, who's, she's retired now, and Beth Suckliffe, I, she came into a little bit later at Bradford. There's um, 
I don't think there's that. I'm trying to think from Bradford that there might be. You see, there's Mouse, and she, you know, she I won't, would see Mouse as a, an international player, but sometimes she just didn't get that opportunity. But she was definitely up there as one of the players. But no, I've put, you know, looking now, you know, you've got Rudger that I've played with and Jodie Cunningham. They're the only ones really in the squad now that I've been from day one. So obviously you mentioned you went to Bradford after Clayton. How, how did that come about? So we basically needed a bit of... The Super League was getting into place. So at Clayton, it wasn't the right club for the women's team. So we needed to progress as a team. So we had talks with Bradford Bulls and they were happy to get a women's team on board. And they opened as a welcome arms and we went to Bradford Bulls and trained down at Tom. Perfect. So obviously, when you were at Bradford, you had a very successful 2017. Can you talk us about, like, what, well, doing a treble in any sports is mightily impressive. Can you tell us about that and how you felt there? Yeah, I, I look back and when I see the videos, when, you know, they come upon your memories and when we actually won the treble, it, you know, I sort of look at me as an individual and I think, God, I was probably at my, I was a, a really good time in my career there. I f felt like I looked sharp and stuff like that. But the whole team around us, you know, we had Lois Vassell there. We had Shona Hoyle. There were Beth Sutcliffe, Brianna Marshall. We had a really good team. And that was the team that it just showed with, you know, the more experienced in the team got us the treble. But, you know, it's, it, we, I don't think we believe that we could do it. But it was obviously our year, and I think moving to Bradford helped us do that because we had that we had so much more support and structure, and we felt like athletes. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Obviously, you you spent some time at Bradford. Is any other seasons bar the 2017 one what's now? Obviously, we know you spent a year as vice captain and then moved on to captaincy. Is it, what what was that like? What was the transition between becoming a, a squad player to vice and up to captain like? Yeah, well, it's hard because we only really got to play the one game, which was for the Nat Hallowell Cup. And um, so I've not really had the opportunity to be a, a full captain for the season. But, you know, going from vice up to captain, like I felt like that was another milestone that I've done in my rugby career because I, I always felt like I want to be a lead. And as I'm getting older, I feel like I'm becoming more of a leader, whereas I was probably quite immature and used to dick about really <laughs> shouldn't really say that but it's true <laughs> I used to be a bit of a pain in the ass <laughs> um, but yeah I, I felt like it was my time and I, what I've learned from you know being in a professional background coming from a professional background with the England stuff and bring it to Bradford I just wanted to show the girls what they can do and show that through being a captain so you know I, I did a lot of not changes but you know getting everyone a shake, uh, getting everyone, making sure we've got all the protein for end of sessions and, you know, making sure we're putting extras in in the gym. And I just wanted the group of girls while I was, you know, there for the short period of time as captain. I really believed in everyone there. You know, we had some youngins coming through and, and I knew we had a really good chance for the season, obviously, before COVID came. And I just wanted us to prepare for it the best that we could possibly prepare. And if that's me just giving them what I've sort of learned across, you know, my rugby career, I needed to show that in being captain and that was probably the best opportunity to do it. Is there something that changed within you when you mentioned, obviously, you were a bit of a pain in your younger days? 
you know, is it something outside of the sport or something within the game that thought, right, I need to maybe be, be a bit more mature now and knuckle down and, and earn my right as captain? Yeah, you know, it's only a few months away and I know, like, I'm getting further on in my career. I'm probably going to have to be retiring in the next few years, especially, you know, next year is going to be probably my last World Cup. But I just felt like I have so much to give and be focused and just show these girls coming through, like, you're fighting for this shirt and... The, if you dick about, you're not gonna you're not gonna get anywhere. So I felt like I'd, I'd grown up a lot. I, I can't really explain it. I think it's just when you turn thirty, you know, like you've got to change some ways. <laughs> you, you mentioned the England setup previously. You mentioned the World Cup. Talk to us about your your time at England. You've had some un, unbelievable statistics there since your 2009 debut. You know, 14 tries in 17 games is unbelievable. Alongside two World Cups. Tell us all about it. Tell us about when you first got your first cap. Yeah, so it was at Siddle, obviously, and it was 2009 and I got picked for the France tour. So done, obviously, a couple of trips out to France and then the big trip to New Zealand came up and then I found out I was pregnant. So it was a choice, but I made the right choice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I missed out on that and then got back into it. So I had to train. I wasn't... They didn't open me with, you know, their arms. I had to start from the beginning again and they had to pick me up. I couldn't just walk back in like, you know, like maybe I thought I could. So I had to earn that place again, which is totally fair because that is how it's got to be. You've got to earn a right to be in that squad. So once I got back in, we did some, we tend to play France quite a bit because of, you know, the costs and it's closer and it's great for us to get a run out. So we did France and then obviously we had 2013 World Cup here which was my ever first World Cup my ever first playing against teams like New Zealand and Australia I've never come up across athletes like it and you know getting a hat-trick against the Kiwis you know I'll never forget that I'll never forget that so that was a that was a massive milestone for me as well and getting player of the match on the losing side so after the World Cup we had a, had a few, like a few games against between the World Cup and 2017 World Cup, a few games against France, and then went out to Wars, played in that 27. But going back to the sorry, going back to the 2013, I got named in the World 13 squad, which were great. There was me, Lindsay Anfield, and Gemma Walsh. That was a that was a great memory as well because I didn't even think I'd get into that. I don't even know about it. So, like, personal achievements to you, do they stand out a bit more than team accolades or winning stuff, or is it just something that you just totally don't expect? I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even sort of know about it. And then when we are in camp, like, oh, they do a World 13, I was like, oh, that'd be so amazing if I got that. I, I don't think I'd get it because, you know, you're coming up, you know, against a lot of good players that was in the tournament. So, to get that, that was just mind-blowing. And then, obviously, 2017 came round. I got my coast to coast, which I think, I think that's where my fan base started, you know, because I can walk, I can walk about and I might not see someone I've not seen for a few years and they'll go, oh my God, that try you scored in, against Papua New Guinea, that coast to coast. And that's all, everyone talks about that all the time. I think it sort of made a bit of history that. Um, so yeah, so obviously played in the 2017 World Cup. I got named in the top 10 for that. And my try was in the top 10 as well. So that were that were a massive achievement, and then 
we've got I did the World Cup nines last year, which is like a year today. It's like year today. It's gone so quick. It's crazy how much time changes, isn't it? I mean, you've got accolades after accolades, but just rewind to your first World Cup in 2013. How did how did England get on in that one? Well, we're always going to say we got cheated by ref, but we, we generally did get a little bit cheated by ref. I think if we'd won Australia in that game, we had a very good chance of being, you know, we, our mindset would have been completely different. But I think that put a massive cloud over us, the fact that, you know, the ref sort of did us over a little bit. But, you know, we were, we were, I would say we was for a team, we was like, we, that was the team to win that World Cup. We should have won the World Cup. Like when we played the Kiwis, we were, you know, there were points where we were winning that game and then we just let them in. And it was just unfortunate. But I do think like we could, that was the World Cup we definitely could have won. So obviously the next World Cup was the 2017 World Cup. How did you do that? How did you fare? What did you find different to the first one you went to? Yeah, it was different. There were a couple of injuries. Like, you know, we played Papua New Guinea. We did, we, it were a bit dicey at first, like they were winning us and then we, I got the coast to coast and then we ended up winning that game. We like, I don't know, people can say sometimes you, you can do something and I mean, you change a lot of people's mindset and you change people's attitudes on field. And I don't know if it was from the coast to coast, but we won that game. We, we was on a high, a massive high because we felt, we felt good. Um, I, I ended up getting injured in that game and we had Australia um, a couple of, a couple of days after, because we don't have a massive turnaround in the World Cup, so we only get a couple of days and we play on third day. So I had to rehab for like two days and obviously your family's over with you. So it was quite difficult, but you're there to do a job and it's, you know, your family's there, it doesn't matter, you're there to, I had to rehab and stuff and we just, it was just unfortunate playing against the Aussies, they just got the role on with us and I think after we played that game, I think a lot of people felt very deflated by it and you know, you've only got a small amount of squad going out there, and it's a, you know, it's a big way out there. It's it's a hell of a flight, and um, just you know, we did all right against the Cook Islands, and just one of them. You, it, it's easy to sit at home and go, oh, you could have done this better, you could have done that, but at that moment in time, we just did what we did and went and did a job, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people can hold their hands up and go, I did everything that I could. Still a great, obviously, still a, an amazing achievement. Oh, so, do you know, even though we we lost, what an achievement and what an experience going out to Australia. Like, I've, I'm have i an absolute terrible flyer and I, I don't even know how I got on the plane, but to go out there and see the other side of the world and do it with the people around you that you love and, you know, you want the same goals, is, it's great, yeah. It's really good. So, obviously, you had the Nines tournament as well. And that's a diff, bit of a different experience. Obviously, I, I won't press it, but you had personal reasons for not playing in the PNG tour. Could you tell us firstly what the Nines tournament were like and what different to the World Cup and then how you picked yourself back up for missing out on the PNG tour? Because obviously... It must I will share it with you. I don't mind not sharing it with you at all. It's just at the time I didn't want to, but yeah, I will. I'll share it with you. I'm happy to do that. But yeah, so before Australia, um, the World Cup Nines, I am... One of my fears is flying. And I always said after 2017, there's no way I will ever get on a flight to Australia. Never, ever, ever, ever again. And then Craig Richards were like, we want you in that, we want you at World Cup Nines, Amy. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, Craig. Like, I can't get on that flight. Right, so anyway, I got a little bit of therapy, went down London, 
got in a simulator and pretended I were on a flight and <laughs> it, I thought it worked. So we ended up going out to the nines. I didn't do very well. I was couldn't sleep. Let's say I spent most of the time on the toilet, both ends. <laughs> <laughs> Lack of sleep. <laughs> it was awful. I was probably, I should, the amount of times I was holding our team manager's hand crying because I just felt terrified. Anyway, going off that, we went out and did the World Cup nines, which we'd never, ever done before. It was new to us all. You know, even coaching staff, we hadn't come across this kind of game of rugby before. You know about it, but you don't know. There's a lot of logics behind it and how you, how you, I would say, use your players on the field at that time because you don't have long. So we played, we went out there, we played PNG first and we won the game. And it was, it was amazing. Like, even when you arrived there, you felt professional. You felt like you was here representing your country. It was, they put on a good show. Australia put a fantastic show on. And then, you know, it's, it's weird because you expect like you're going to have a couple of days rest, but you're not, you're, you're playing in a couple of hours and you're all getting like warmed up in these little under stadium. Pretty cool, really. But yeah, so we played, we played Australia. That didn't go well, but it's what it is. We still enjoyed the moment. You know, you know, the lads were there watching us, we were watching them. It was just, it was just really great for rugby league. Like I, I'd love to do with the nines and I wish they would bring a nines over here. I'd love to be part of the nines. Yeah, that brings me on to what I'm going to ask next. Obviously, whilst you were over there, the male side of it were going on. And obviously, you got to live out so many people's dream of playing, but also meeting these blokes who were, who were in legend stature in the game. What would it like brushing shows with some of them? Oh, it's great because, you know, some, like as women and myself, like you, look, you watch them on telly and you're looking up to these because that's all like, you, we see because we're like that level of women who do we look up to we look up to the men and you know they're so nice like you're so scared to speak to them in case they're like oh what you you know but they're not like that they're just, just even all the Aussies and the Kiwi like all the all the different teams like they're just great they just welcome you and it's it's just amazing how rugby league like comes together as a sport and you're not you're not frowned upon because you're a woman and you're playing rugby like everyone has got your back out there and supporting you you do a good tackle regardless what country you're from they had it's like everyone had your back and you know you got a clap and or you sit you know if you're seen in a like oh, great game and it was so great to be a part of that i really enjoyed it it's brilliant to see the smile on your face when you talk about this and it's it's not a burden on you at all you absolutely love what you do don't you I, I do love what I do. Sorry, there's just a lorry going past my window making a screeching noise. I wish you could hear it. But no, I, I absolutely love it. And I think as I'm getting older, I'm loving it even more. And I think it's it's because I probably know that I ain't got long left. So I'm just trying to embrace everything that I possibly can with rugby league at the moment. I mean, we, we come to the modern day and, and obviously COVID and the pandemic hits. And at the time you, you, you're at Bradford, but you suddenly find yourself at St. Helens. How did that come about? So obviously there was a lot of stuff going on at Bradford and like I'm not going to go into that because I'm you know I'm not I'm not about that but stuff went on at Bradford and I was also thinking about where do I want to be going forward so where we've got a World Cup next year personally where how do I want to be as an athlete how am I going to be that the best that I can be especially the best version of myself and I know what I'm capable of and I felt like maybe Bradford wasn't the place for me to be able to pursue that. And 
I know that other clubs might have been able to support me more and get me where I need to be. And, you know, I thought about teams like Cass and, and Leeds and I just thought, you know, majority of people from Yorkshire have gone to these teams and I just fancied something different, something like I'm coming away from where I live, from work, from everything. I'm, I'm going into a different place where I've got a different group of friends and St. Ellen's felt like the right place for me. Yeah, and that's why I chose there. You mentioned, obviously, the up-and-coming World Cup. Um, first of all, two two-prong question, really. What What's it been like during the COVID times? Obviously, have you had any sort of training sessions or any sort of handouts to you in terms of workouts to do? Or has is is everything just kind of closed off at the minute? So, beginning of lockdown, before I left Bradford, um, we were quite flat and stuff. We didn't, we didn't... I think it was hard motivating the girls and stuff like that because you've got to think... I'm the only England one at that level. So I'm on a different level to people. I know that I'm, I'm up here and then I need to be still training and doing stuff. Other people are on a different level. And, you know, it was hard at Bradford. We didn't really have much in place. And obviously when I've gone to Saints, when I, when I came through lockdown, you know, we were doing three Zoom classes a week. And that was just set up by the players. Now, that is what I need. Yeah. That and that, you know, I knew that I was doing the right thing, and just you know, it's not even the coaching staff like would you? It's you know, setting up right guys who are doing this every week, and Jordy's on it. Like the team, like it was like a, a full Zoom, like it's fun of the team, and I just thought, you know, this is. I wish I hope everyone's doing this, but through lockdown, the players just did it themselves, and then when the restrictions got lifted. Um, the RFL gave us the go-ahead. We could then start training in groups of sixes. So then I would drive over to St. Ellen's um, on time slots, that groups that people working with each other, and I'd go over twice a week, which I continue to do now. Excellent stuff. So you mentioned, obviously, that next year is the World Cup 2021 on home shores. You know, I've even seen some of your ambassadorial work already, promoting the game and promoting Women's Rugby League at the World Cup. Your aim is obviously this World Cup. What's your aim in general and obviously aiming for this World Cup? Personally, for Yeah. My, yeah. yeah. So, I want to be so much fitter. I want to I want to be fitter than I was for the nines. Like, I did feel fit and I prepared well for it, but I knew that I still had a, lot, a long way to go. So, I want to be the fittest I've ever been. I want to be the strongest. I want to be the most powerfulest. I want people to look at me and be like, oh, my God, Amy, I castled with me. I want to cause damage and I want to finish that World Cup with a massive bang and I want to hold that trophy with the girls uh, when we have won the 2021 and I want everyone to be exactly the same. Perfect stuff. And, and I want you to tell us now because we'll play it when we eventually win the World Cup, but are we going to be favourites and are we going to win it? Definitely going to win it. We are preparing now. If not, like, months, we are prepared. We are, like, going ahead now with... We're starting as programmes, like the staff at England are working above and beyond. To, they want the best for us. They know what we can do and they're doing everything for us. And, you know, I'm doing that for them as well as myself. And I want to make them proud and I want to achieve what they know that we're going to achieve. I mean, we can see it on you. You've got bulging biceps and some shoulders that we got to jealous of. Um, just working in the gym, do you feel like you're pushing yourself even more for this World Cup as well? 
Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm working hard, like, seven days when you just, like, I can't bother to go to gym, but you just got to push yourself, and that's what I'm doing, and I'm getting in a good zone with it. And over at Saints as well, it helps because you've got quite a few England girls over there and people that want to do better with the rugby and hopefully get into the England squad. So we're doing quite a bit of extras as well before and after training, depends what day it is. So, you know, them little extras are the ones that improve you, them little small margins. So, you know, it, it's wor- it is working, as, as you say. <laughs> For anyone that couldn't watch that, then Amy just did flex a bicep. So just <laughs> listening to the podcast, they're much bigger than my old Jossers. And you mentioned individual accolades, just at the back end of last decade, last year, it seems years and years ago now, you obviously got named in the women's team of the decade by the NRL, the only English woman situated in that 13. I mean, unbelievable. That should have been on every news page possible. That, that's an incredible achievement at any level of rugby league, any genders or anything. What, what did that mean to you? Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. It's, it's another one. I think it took me a while for it to hit home as well because, like, you just see it on social media. It's like you've made this team of the decade and it's like, hey, how have I? How has Amy Arcastle made team of the decade when I could reel off so many people on my hands to be in the team of the decade? But, you know, it's just such a... It's another proud moment for me. And I just wish sometimes I would believe in my ability and myself that, of what I have achieved. Like, I know it has a place in here for me. I need to believe that a lot more than probably what I do. Because if you like, for instance, when I'm at work, someone will be like, oh, are you away, man? I'm like, yeah. Like, are you a rugby player? I'm like, yeah, why? I don't like telling anyone. But everyone at work is like, we're so proud of you. We want to tell everyone that you're a rugby player. You play for England. I'm like, no, just be quiet. So I don't like, when you say you've made this team in the decade, I don't feel like, I don't know. It's a really, really like amazing achievement. But I don't. I should be so much prouder. But I don't like to feel like I'm too over proud because I don't want to become cocky or, you know, or look at me like. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. But I mean, <laughs> you are the only English woman to make this team of the decade. They're basically saying you're the best English player in the past ten years. It's there's a, there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence, and I definitely think you've earned the confidence. I know. I know. I just. I just think there could be some more people in there. I, I, I dis- it's not that I disagree, but I do think there's, there's some uh, world-class England players, definitely. Take it and run, because the NRL, the Australians, never gives up, give us anything. So, yeah, take that <laughs> and run. No, I'll take that one. Put it in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, like Jamie said, that's an absolutely phenomenal achievement. It's just it's quite mesmerising in itself. You know, the only English person in that team in ten, well, in, over the 10 years. You mentioned bringing the nines over here. What do you think could be done more to promote the women's rugby over here? Well, I think we're doing better than we've ever done, really. You know, like you say, social media's you know a great way, and obviously, like you guys are doing this and bringing me on here, it's helping you know women's rugby league getting out there a bit more. And I just think people have to try and get on board and keep doing it. And I think with the World Cup nines, it's somebody. I don't know if somebody needs to take it and someone needs to, I don't know if it's down to funding or what, but I just think it's a, it's a great new thing that would be good for the girls. And because it's short, it's not like, you know, 40 minutes each side, it's, it's a short and people get opportunities of coming in off. I just, I don't know, is it an upfreshing thing that might be good for the young ones coming through? You tell us what you've got a little girl yourself. Would you encourage her to play rugby league? 
Well, I actually used to coach for it, did I? Me and Sean Royal, we used to coach the kids, but it just got too stressful when we had to go play rugby on a Sunday. So, no, she's a bit of a cheerleader and she does like rugby, but she's got to that age, she's 10 in December and I think she wants to play for an all-girls, but there's a team in Halifax and there's quite a few more teams getting the girls' teams now. And she she wants to start doing it because obviously she's seen her mum do it and she's, she's seen it a lot more than obviously when you know, maybe five years ago, so it's exciting. And I think when she's seen stuff on, you know, if I'm sat there and showing her stuff or we're at games and she's seen people that she's she's embracing it all. And, I, I, you know, there's a lot more girls like that nowadays, especially like on the social media side, you know, parents are sharing stuff for their kids and you might respond to it. And that, that goes a long way for someone that, you might be their idol, you know, and it's just that little encouragement. And I just think we need, we need to get into the grassroots, especially with girls. You, you took the words out of my mouth. I think your generation of players, obviously kind of the first lot who, who have kind of made these headlines, making World Cups year after year, um, obviously beginning to st- promote the game on Sky Sports and the men's games on Thursday nights. You see Jodie Cunningham and, and whatnot on there. Yeah. getting you on. And I think you will be, or you are, idols to young children, not just little girls, but little boys as well. And and we watch all that. We watch yeah. as many games as we can do. The NRL are obviously promoting a lot more games now. And they're playing the grand final days, having the women's grand final and the men's next to each other. Um, me personally, I think you're, you're so humble. And it's, it's great to see how how humble you are in terms of you are one of the biggest superstars in women's rugby league history, in, in my opinion, in, on our shores. Um, and I agree, it just started the grassroots. Um, and, but idols as yourself, you just got to keep pushing and pushing because it's, it's in women's sport in general, not just in rugby league, it's slowly getting up there as well. So it's so a fair play to you. Yeah, I, I do. And I think it's really important because, you know, I don't want children being where I was and I had never had a team to go play for and that was the sport I wanted to do so I felt like you know am I being penalised because I'm a girl and I was young but it's just how it was but you know nowadays it's becoming more out there and I think it's so important that you know in the next few years especially after the World Cup there should be the majority of every rugby club should have not only boys or mixed they should have the girls and I do think if we keep going the way we are will definitely get that and it just if I feel like I end my career and I've helped some growth of the rugby league for young girls and even you know young lads that will that'll go into the way of being in the team of the decade and you know in them selections that will go into definitely that category for me. Just to round off, Amy, what's your plans for the future? You keep mentioning that you're old. You're not old. You're more, we like to say veteran, don't we? You're more of a veteran now. Um, what's your I'm plan? I'm 32 next year. You are? I'm 32 next year. I'm getting old, thank you. <laughs> what's your plans? So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I have been thinking about this a lot lately. And, you know, World Cup is... Is going to be my last World Cup because of my age. You know, maybe I can't go into another World Cup because I'm out too old. And I'm I'm worried about what I'm going to do because I feel emotional talking about this. <laughs> um, I'm worried how my mental state will be because all I've done is play rugby league since 18. So this is what I've done. This is all I've known. So I have to get into something else. I think I'm going to go into my nursing to get focused into something else. So 
I don't go downhill, but I will still play. Sorry, <laughs> but I will still, <laughs> but I will stay <clears throat> and play rugby league. But obviously, it just won't be at an international level. But I'm gonna hopefully get in and do my nursing and you know get another achievement and make my daughter proud and just you know show her you can do anything regardless how old you are, what gender you are whatever background you come from because I've come from absolutely nothing I grew up just with my mom single parent all we had was a sofa and she's brought me up on her own and we've and we've got where we are and it doesn't matter where you start it's where you finish so yeah I think I'll do my nursing <laughs> I, I could not agree more and, and that word proud is is a, you, I can guarantee obviously I don't know you or your family but you, your daughter and your family are so so proud of you and what you've done in yourself, and not just the game of rugby league, but what you're still doing, and, and the fact that you want to go into nursing to help people more, especially when you see it at the minute with the pandemic going on, it's, it's a tough gig in, in everything. Yeah. So you can take everything you've learned and your determination in rugby league and take it into the next steps of your career. But we're not done yet anyway. We've got a World Cup to aim for. You're going to have to win That's this World Cup as well. Yes, we are winning this World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Any final words from you, Joss? No, just it's it's a phenomenal effort what you've done so far. You should be really well. We're proud of you, so you should be proud of yourself. And I think you'll uh, you'll make a phenomenal nurse if that's what you decide to go oh, on to do. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. And thank you so much, guys, for just letting me talking a little bit about me because not many people probably know me or they might have the wrong opinion about me. But this is this is me. And thank you for everything. Honestly, everyone out there, thank you for pushing me and all the support and just keep just keep doing it because we've got this World Cup to win. Totally agree. And Amy Arcastle is going to be the one who's lifting that trophy for us as well. Thank you so much, Amy. This, this interview has been excellent and arguably one of my favourites so far. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Josh McVitie. Thank you, Amy Hardcastle. This is Three Blokes, or Two Blokes, and a Rugby League podcast. Keep an eye out for everything else we have on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And we're also live on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you once again, Amy Hardcastle.